Thanks for joining the podcast with Tamara Gondor. Conversations with everyday innovators that reject status quo, think differently, and make a positive difference in their world. Listen in so you can ignite innovation, influence others, and make an impact too. And now your host, CrossFit addict, knee-high sock lover, and according to her kids, average cook, Tamara Gondor. Jonah, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited for our conversation. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, let's get to know you. What's the one thing people would be surprised to learn about you? So there's probably a million things that most people don't know about me. I do tend to keep my private life pretty private. Uh, I did spend eight years uh, working in the investment industry before I came in, before I became an entrepreneur, which I think most people are surprised about. And then the other one that most people are surprised about is I've never been to California. Wait, what? Yep. <laughs> so, How is that possible? I haven't done a lot of traveling in my life. Wow. I, it's fine. I, I grew up in, in, in the Bay Area. So, of course, I don't live there now, but of course, the world revolves around California <laughs> in my world. <laughs> I mean, the funny thing is now with my new company, I'm going to be in at least 40 or 50 cities this year, maybe more than that. So, I will be in California probably at least every other month, I'm guessing. And I already That's have funny. trips planned to France and Dubai and Hawaii and all over the world. So, uh, as much as I hate to fly, uh, I better get used to it. Yeah, I'm so with you. I actually think I'm going to die every time I go up in the plane, but I have to. I do too. Yeah, I do too. It's horrible. It's really. I heard I, it all started like I, I didn't used to have anxiety or panic attacks when I fly. Now I do. If I take Dramamine, it helps. But oh. I, I remember watching an interview once, and I, I don't know how credible this person was, but he said something to the effect of, you know, planes are built by the the lowest bidders. And I'm like, oh, God. Oh, my God. I don't need to Why know Why did that. you just tell me that? <laughs> I just, oh. you know, I think that there's something in the lack of control also because, you know, every time it's bumpy, I can't do anything about it. And exactly. like that freaks yep. me out. <laughs> I feel like if I was flying the plane, I wouldn't be so anxious. It's right. the same way when if, if I'm in a car with someone else driving, I'm that. I'm that annoying backseat driver that's like, you're, you're driving too close, you know, Get, <laughs> stay in your lane. So, well, I feel like this is a perfect segue into what you do, because maybe that's why people like you and me um, do better as starting our own thing than being employees is because we need to fly the plane. So let's, let's talk a little bit about paint. What inspired you to create SoundGuard um, soundproof paint and talk a little bit about what it is, but I'd also love to hear the journey that got you to where you are today. So, you know, I'm the, the classic entrepreneur where where, okay, let's say this. In the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey, when I left the investment world back in 2011, I was jumping into things that I was passionate about, you know, health and fitness, um, charities, stuff like that. So I built a bunch of companies and websites and platforms that really served me, I guess, more from a passion standpoint. And then I did that for four or five years, you know, had some successes. I had a software company that, that did pretty well. My supplement company was sort of a failure, I guess. Um, and then as I was shutting everything down, I jumped back in the podcast world, trying to figure out what, what my next adventure was going to be. And I was just it, honestly trying to figure out how to solve my problem. And that problem was blocking out the noise from my neighbors. You know, their kids were always running around. It was a townhouse. I was living in North Carolina and, you know, every night I would have to hear their kids or their music or anything. I mean, it's just very thin walls. So I did some research and tried to figure out what product could I use on the wall to block out the sound. And there just wasn't anything out there that looked like it was easy to use, easy to apply, affordable, non-invasive, meaning that I wouldn't have to open up the walls. 
Um, you know, I wouldn't have to go to my landlord necessarily. And I'm like, well, why isn't there a paint? Like, why can't, has anyone created a paint? And there's a couple companies that have tried it. And so I actually did order their products and use both of their products. Uh, now they don't call it a soundproof paint. One of them calls it like a noise reduction coating. Another one calls it a sound deadening paint. Oh, that sounds very appealing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And if you go to the website and start digging through all their their product specs, you can see that they only guarantee up to a 30% reduction in sound. So I used both products. I was, you know, unhappy with the performance as well as the ease of application, but also the finished texture. Like I wanted a product that would look really nice on the wall and didn't have lots of like little bubbles or didn't have like really heavy texture to it. Like the product, uh, like the sound deadening coating looked horrible on the wall. I mean, not horrible, but like when you got within 12 inches, you could see a lot of texture and, you know, the hotels and the apartment buildings that we're selling our product to now, they want a level four or level five finish on the wall. They don't want any rough texture, you know? Well, they have to sell it. So they need it to look good. Absolutely. They want their walls to look beautiful. So, so I started cold calling on labs around the U S trying to figure out who could help me create this product. Cause I'm not a chemist by trade. And I think on my third or fourth call, I finally got a, a lab out of Connecticut. It's a small manufacturing company. So they're already in the paints and coating space. They had a couple chemists on, on staff. And I basically pitched them like, Hey, if you can help me create this product, I don't know if we can do it. No one else has ever done it successfully. None of the big, big paint companies are in this market. So I'm assuming it's going to be really, really hard. But if you can help me do this, and if we get this product to market, I will cover you know, some of the R&D costs. I will cover all of the testing costs and lab costs. I'll cover all the patent filings and all that stuff. And then I will build this into a successful company. And I will give you guys the five-year exclusive manufacturing you know, business. And they're like, okay, we'll give it a shot. You know, so we tried a few formulations and started spraying walls in their offices and whatnot and had some success. And I'm like, I know we can do better, you know, so this kept going on on and on and on. And I just kept saying, we can do better. We can do better. And then like 25 formulations later, you know, we finally thought we had it. And I started calling on hotels and said, Hey, do you guys mind if I come over and and do some tests in your rooms and it's not going to cost you anything. And I'll bring in independent acoustical engineers to do all the testing. And they're like, yep, that works. That sounds pretty cool. That is our number one problem. So if you can solve it for us, by all means, give it a shot. So we did it, set up some hotel projects, hired engineers, came in, and the results were incredible. So I will tell you, as someone who travels all the time, um, it is my biggest pet peeve in hotels. Because man, you hear everything through those walls. Oh, yeah. I have a couple questions for you. The the first one is a little more tactical, and then I kind of want to go to a bigger question. So the first one is, you know, you had said in your story, which kind of made my eyes go a little wide, that you found a lab to partner with. And I don't know if setting expectations is right, but you really, it sounds like you really went in with, hey, we're going to build a partnership here because I need your help. And I think oftentimes as entrepreneurs or even intrapreneurs trying to launch an idea inside a company, we tend to try to do that front end alone. And we're, I think we're our own bottleneck. So how important to the success was your approach to this in the beginning of finding a partner that could really help you? I mean, I think it it was critical. Um, You know, there's a lot of businesses that you could probably go out there and start where you don't need these types of partnerships. You can kind of do everything on your own. But, you know, in the world of paints and coatings, I mean, I didn't even know where to start. Um, You know, I've become somewhat of an expert in wall construction and acoustics and STC ratings and uniform building codes and all that stuff. I mean, I've had to teach myself all of it. I mean, I don't know. I've never taken a 
building course or I've never been an architect or any of that stuff. You know, I'm the, the typical entrepreneur that jumped into an industry that he knew nothing about but saw an opportunity. So from the very beginning, I knew that partnering with the right people to help me in the areas that I didn't know anything about would be critical. You know, a lot of this, a lot of the sales, a lot of my sales reps. So I have 70 sales reps that work for me already. And most of them come from backgrounds in construction, architecture, building materials, coatings. I've learned a ton from them and I bring them onto my weekly calls so we can all teach each other. Um, you know, I did not want to be, I never, ever want to set up my own manufacturing facility. I do not want to have to worry about ordering the raw ingredients, the, you know, the raw materials or the ingredients, mixing it, you know, um, owning or leasing all the equipment, the tanks, the filters, I mean, all of that stuff. Uh, and then managing the inventory and the logistics, like heck no, I want no part of it. And these guys are masters at it. They've been doing it for 30 years and they know how to do it well. And now it's just a matter of scaling that, you know, on, on the other side, I don't want to be in the, in the, the installation business. I don't want to have a hundred or 200 or 300 painters that work for me that are on my payroll that I have to ship all over the country with all of the equipment, you know, the sprayers, the fans, the dehumidifiers. Like, I don't want any piece of that either. Like, I just want to sell the product (laughs) and make a lot of money doing it. Well, I launch shooters out there listening, I would take a pause and just what I'm hearing in Jonah's story, which is so powerful right now is know your lane, what business you're in personally, what you should be doing within your work as well are so powerful. So I want to ask kind of a bigger question. So SoundGuard is pretty revolutionary in the paint world. Um, What lessons did you gather along the way when trying to bring something totally new or, you know, just in a different way to an industry that I would say is... It's, and I don't know as well as you do, so correct me if I'm wrong, but really based on incremental excitement. And what I mean by that is like, ooh, new colors. Like I've done a lot of work in the makeup yeah, world and it was like, how many color reds do we need of lipstick? You know? I, know, I mean, it's absurd. And I feel like paint looking from the outside in is kind of the same way. So what lessons have you had being kind of that person or be, bringing that product to market? Yeah, I have one of those Sherwin-Williams paint books with all the different yeah, it's colors. Crazy. <laughs> it's it's like two inches thick and there's like I mean, six different shades on each one. It's insane. Yeah, I mean, good question. Um, so, I mean, obviously there's some skepticism to this. Um, a lot of the people that first hear about it are like, how is that possible? How can you put something on a wall that's so thin yet get these amazing results? So I knew going into this that I would have to have you know, credible third-party test reports, uh, you know, that's sort of the first step. And then obviously there needs to be some, you know, testimonials from customers, you know, case studies. And that's a lot of what we're in the process of doing right now is creating more content, more, you know, more evidence, I guess, if you want to call it that, you know, I have, a, I, I mean, I have 15 or 20 projects starting in the next two months all over the U.S. and probably the world at this point, depending on where when I booked that France and Dubai trip, but you know, each one, each project, every time I'm on site, it has to be started by me. So whether we're doing a two room mock-up for a large hotel, just to prove that the product works, or if it's a smaller project and we're skipping the mock-up and just doing a full installation, you know, I have to be there for the first few days just to oversee it, make sure that the crew that we're hiring knows what they're doing, knows how to mix it, spray it, measure it. You know, it's not rocket science, but I don't want anyone screwing it up. Uh, and then I will have a professional videographer on site with me to capture as much as possible. So we're going to do, so there's going to be two types of content to come out of that. One is going to be the promo content. So we'll have pictures and videos of the before and the after, you know, of the wall. 
uh, and it will have you know pictures and videos of us actually spraying the product and and all of that. And then the most important part is the before and the after sound testing. So if I'm able to, and I haven't, I tried doing it a couple months ago at a project, but the videographer I hired didn't have a, I guess, a sensitive enough microphone. But if the guy that I hire, and I'm going to have to be a little bit more picky over the equipment, I guess, uh, has a microphone that can pick up the before and the after decibels, because it's harder to, so our ears are way more sensitive than any sort of a microphone on a video camera, or at least that's what I've, I've gathered so far. So when I'm in a room and, and there's sound coming through the wall from the test, I can hear it with my ears, but the video camera was not I picking can't. it up. Yeah. So uh. it, Cause it's, it's like indirect noise. I don't know if that's the right, that's yeah, what yeah. I call it. It's I'm pretty sure though, that's also true for me and my family. Cause we could be in the hotel in the middle of the night. I'm like, is that water dripping in the faucet in the room next right. to us? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> what is happening? But you know, I think what's interesting, Jonah, what I wrote down as you were talking about what you said is it sounds like what you really figured out is what are those qualifiers that are going to take that unnecessary fear out of the conversation. So when you're out there selling, you know that there are certain things that you need to check off for the potential buyer to be like, okay, this is credible. This is real. I'm open to this conversation. Right. Like, I mean, there's, there is like, you know, back to my the skepticism, the, the problem is so obvious. I mean, everyone in the hotel space, the apartment space, office buildings, dorms, you know, those are like our four big markets. I mean, the people that run those properties, own those properties, I mean, noise complaints are just an issue they have to deal with on an ongoing basis. So, you know, when our, our most effective marketing strategy right now has been cold emails. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I buy they're lists. ready for it. Absolutely. And I put in, in the subject line, I put in reducing noise complaints at your hotel or at your apartment property. And I get like a 30 or 40% open rate. And I get a ridiculous number of replies and and phone calls, you know, from either the general manager or the general manager forwarded it to the owner or the director of engineering. And they call me and they're like, what is this stuff? Like, if this is really legit, we could definitely use it. Now, you know, the tricky part with hotels is they're on these renovation cycles of like every six to eight years. And sometimes they just renovated last year. So the idea of them repainting all their rooms a year later is not viable. So you might have to wait a few more years. You know, apartments are a little bit easier because they're constantly repainting rooms when people move out before new people move in. So that's like ongoing business. Schools are tricky because you only get the dorms and the student housing open in the summertime. So, but you know, now is when you start planting that seed, you start to get everything in place. And then once the kids move out in June, you know, you're ready to go and you're ready to start spring. So it's, you know, the thing about your email um, that actually was a great reminder for me and for launch readers out there listening is I think why it's getting such a great open rate is you're addressing their pain versus it being about you and the benefit, you know, uh, reduce noise 100%, 80%, whatever. It's like complaints, right? That's what you address, which I think is like just such smart selling. I'm curious about one thing. Um, so I was having this conversation with a gentleman who was starting a company that's basically drone window washing for commercial buildings. Oh my God. And, that's yeah, pretty super, cool though. Right. So cool. So, um, but one of the things that he and I were talking about is while he can show them, he can save them, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, let, and, you know, let alone the safety issues that go along with having humans hanging from buildings and all that stuff. Um, the biggest challenge that he was having is inertia. So people's comfort with dealing what they already know. So yes, all of that was a problem for them, but moving to something new, even though it had all these benefits, you know, that's a big hurdle to get over. Do you ever face that? And if you do, how do you deal with it? 
Okay, so here's exactly we we had that issue, um, and it's it's new construction versus existing buildings. And I say that because if you have an existing hotel, apartment building, office building, dorm, you know if there's already noise problems. So you already know if you're looking, you know you're looking for a solution, and all the other solutions that are on the market, whether it's double drywall or whether it means ripping open walls, all of that stuff is less effective, more expensive, more invasive, requires more labor. So you're trying to find something in your budget. And obviously we meet that. And for an existing building, we can come in there and do a mock-up for them on two rooms as long as we get both sides of one wall. And I can bring in my portable speaker and I can crank it at uh, 95 to 100 decibels. And you'll go in the next room before we treat that wall. And you'll be like, oh my God, that's so much noise coming through. And then we'll spray the wall, you know, three coats, gets all, you know, all done in one day because it dries within two hours. And then the next day we'll run the same test and you'd be like, I don't hear anything. And you're like, I know that's the point. Like we, <laughs> we just blocked out like 20 decibels with paint. And they're like, oh my God, okay, this stuff is real. We love it. When can we, you know, when can we do the other 200 rooms or 300 rooms? So that's, it's so much easier if you can prove it on site with their existing walls. The harder part, and obviously what your friend with the drones is dealing with is what we deal with on new construction. Because you're asking an architect to spec a product into a project that they've never used before. And the building's not built, of course. So we can't even come in there and do a mock-up and prove that it works. So you're asking them to have faith in the product, but essentially spend money on a product to solve a problem that they don't know if they're going to have or not. And that's harder. But I've talked to some architects and contractors and other people, and they're like, well, you guys have already proven that the product works because you've done some hotels. So the bigger risk to us may be not using the product. And then two years later, we realize that or we regret the fact that we didn't use it. And then we have to go back in and use it. And it's two or three times more expensive and way more disruptive to the business because then you have to rip all the rooms apart. You got to take rooms out of inventory. Like it's so much easier and faster if you just paint the walls as you're building the building. Um, so that's sort of, I mean, that's like, that's how I turn it around on them is guys, listen, yeah, it is a risk to use a product that you've never used before. I get that. But what's going to happen if you don't use the product and then your developer comes back to you in two years and is like, hey, did you know that soundproof paint was, was around in 2018 when we were finishing up the specs? Like, can you tell me why the hell you didn't spec it in there or at least give me the option of using it? Right. Because now so, I got to spend all this money to redo it. Yeah, Absolutely. You're listening to Conversations with Everyday Innovators on With Tamara Gondor Podcast. Let's take a moment to thank our generous partners that make this possible. I want to take a moment to talk about my friends at Howdy Puppy. Dogs experience all the same problems as humans when it comes to joint pain, anxiety, digestion, and arthritis. A great way to help our four-legged family members with these ailments is with CBD-infused pet treats. Who doesn't like treats? As you longtime listeners know, my Mastiff, Zoe, is part of my family, but is getting older and has some anxiety issues when strangers come around. Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats has totally changed her disposition, and I know she feels like her young, energetic, confident self when she gets Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats. There are many CBD-infused dog treats on the market, but the truth is that many of them are overpriced and ineffective. We've looked at dozens of CBD dog treats and found most of them disappointing. Howdy Puppy is among the best brands in the CBD pet business. 
they deliver consistent quality and their treats look and taste amazing, according to our dogs, of course. The company makes CBD dog treats in three flavors, steak, bacon, and cheese rolls. All of Howdy Puppy CBD treats contain natural ingredients, including high-quality full-spectrum hemp oil, all sourced and made in the USA. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in Howdy Puppy, but before I put my name on the company, I had an independent lab in Denver, Colorado, verify the quality and consistency of their treats. They are truly as advertised. Go online today at howdypuppy.com, link will also be in the show notes, and use promo code TAMARA, T-A-M-A-R-A, that's me, to get 20% off the absolute best CBD dog treats on the market. You will not be disappointed. Howdypuppy.com, promo code TAMARA. Don't let them suffer needlessly. Let them enjoy life too. You said something that kind of blew my mind though, which is the whole like the just having the faith in that your product works isn't enough to sell it. So because when you're at that point where you're asking them to do something different, just showing them the benefits and the features while they may be amazing is really not enough to, to sell it. You've got to find a way to prove it. Right. And I'm obviously I'm confident about what we're doing because I know the product works and I know it solves a need, but I've always been the guy you know, whether I was in finance or any of my other startups, like my whole thing is under promise and over deliver. Um, I will never over promise or oversell this to someone and try to pretend like it's magic paint. that's going to solve all of their problems. You know, I had a guy yesterday call me, he's running a hotel in San Antonio. It's 12 stories and they're big, you know, they do have room to room noise. So that is hopefully going to be part of the mock-up that we're doing in a couple, uh, I guess next month. But he's like, yeah, our biggest problem is our, you know, on the 12th floor. So we have two elevator shafts and we have rooms up against the elevator shafts and they didn't do any soundproofing or double drywall. So you essentially have a shared wall between high speed elevators and people yeah, trying to I've sleep. I've been in that room. Yeah. And I'm like, honestly, I, I don't know if our product would help or not. I don't think if we, you know, cause we're the way that our product works, it's essentially like it's pretend it's like a vinyl or rubberized membrane going on the wall that's blocking, stopping, deflecting sound. You know, the product itself is less than a tenth of an inch thick. It's like five tenths of an inch. No, like five hundredths or five thousandths, five hundredths of, of an inch thick. It is really, really, really thin. Um, there's just not enough density and mass there to absorb sound. Meaning like if I was in my hotel room and the walls are painted, I could scream and the people on the other side of the wall would not hear me. But if I went over to the wall and started banging on it, they would probably still hear that. Um, and that's the problem with right, elevators. Right, that's vibration. That's different. Exactly. That's, yeah, the impact noise. So I told him, like, I don't think spraying the inside of your of that, of the hotel room that shares the wall is really going to stop the elevator noise from coming into the room. But I don't really want to be hiring crews to be getting into elevator shafts and spraying the product because I honestly have no idea if it's going to work. And if if it doesn't work, I've just taken on a project that I can't you know, I can't deliver on and then you're unhappy and I don't know who you're going to tell. And I've just created a little bit of a potential PR nightmare for what, like, what was my upside to that? Like right, one more customer. That's it. Yeah. And a small customer, you know, like, I mean, there's other hotels out there that have elevator problems. So I get it. Like if it did work, then yes, I do have other customers lined up with the same elevator problems. But if it doesn't work, like, 
I, I don't like so that's that's the risk that I take right now is some projects I, I just have to say no to because there's just not enough upside if things don't go well. Well, and I like the way you framed up how you think about saying no. It's not just no, you're not the right fit. It's no, because really the negative impact for you at this stage is the amount of effort you have to put into it for a situation that may actually make you wor- worse off in the long run. Correct. So right now, like you said before, I'm staying in my lane. I know what our sweet spot is. It's walls and ceilings where they're looking to block traditional airborne noise, you know, voices, music, TV, all that stuff. And that's really where I'm focused right now, at least for the next two or three months until we get 15, 20, 25 projects done. They all go well. They're all happy. They all love us. Then I can sort of open this up to distributors and dealers and other types of people that you know, so if you're that hotel owner with the elevator problem, like I'm not coming to your property and doing the mock-up because at that point it's just not, there's just not enough there for me to get excited about. If you want to go buy the product from a distributor and go hire a contractor and try it on your own, you know, God bless you. (laughs) If it doesn't, if it doesn't go wrong, I don't necessarily, I mean, I, I care, but it won't affect my business. Like there's no, you know, I already have 25 successful projects. If that elevator shaft doesn't go well, it doesn't affect my, you know, my pipeline at all. Well, and I would assume you want to wait to try out those more experimental projects until you feel like this part of the business, that plate is spinning on its own and you exactly. can go pursue and figure those out. You know, here's, here's the thing I'm hearing from you that I'm curious about. You seem very clear on your vision, not just where you are now, but really where you're headed and why you do the things that you do. Have you always been this clear with SoundGuard? And if yes, how what got you that clarity? And if no, kind of how have those things changed over time? Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've definitely gone back and forth on different things. I mean, when I did first start working on the product, I thought I would want my own application team because then I could better ensure quality control on all projects. But then once we, you know, once I started talking to contractors and, and uh, you know, developers, I realized that a lot of them have their own teams in place. So they would prefer not to work with my team. And I just realized, you know, just the amount of equipment that it would require and the logistics. So you learned as you went. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, otherwise, like, yeah, I mean, I've been pretty clear. I mean, it took us almost two years to develop the product and test it to the point where we knew we had the right formula. So that gave me a lot of time to research all the other soundproofing products out there. What makes them good? What makes them bad? How much do they cost? You know, who's using them and why? What are architects specking in and why? Um, but I mean, I think one of the most important things that I love kind of hammering upon is this product is a base coat or a primer on the wall. So we are not a top coat. We are not tinting it. Um, we could tint it. I just have zero interest in tinting it. Tinting it is more expensive, more complicated. You're not able to build up your inventory in anticipation of jobs. And why that's so important is because those big companies, the Sherwin-Williams, the Benjamin Moores, the Bears, the PPGs, Valspars, RPM, that's where they make their money. That's where they do $50 billion a year in revenue is selling top coats and finished coats. So we get to play nice with all of them because we're not cannibalizing any of their business. Uh, The customer still has to buy that, you know, their product to go over our product. So... You know, not only do we get to partner with all those great companies and distribute through their ecosystems, but I think it it sets us up at some point to be acquired by one of them for a lot of money because they can take our product, plug it into that ecosystem and 10x revenues like overnight. 
You know, um, for launch readers out there listening, I think what Jonah just said is what we've been talking about a lot with our, we have these on-demand programs for entrepreneurs um, where we walk them through. It's basically a kick-ass one-page business plan and then a commodity to no competition zone. And I think that you just totally nailed it. Instead of playing in their space, you created your own space that actually complements them versus competes with them, which is really cool. Exactly. So we don't take anyone else's piece of the pie. We just make the whole pie bigger for everybody. And why would you want to fight Sherman Williams? Really? I do not. Yeah. I do not. <laughs> they have $40 billion more than I do. So. Right, right. And that's, yeah. I think, with a lot of entrepreneurs, what I hear is, you know, and I'm all for going up against the big dogs, don't get me wrong, but in a way that's unique and ownable, and that's actually defendable, because absolutely. the minute, I think, I think what you've got, what you really nailed on is this idea of, or this this product and this business that is defendable. So for them to do what you're doing takes would take a ridiculous amount of time and effort to right. get there versus playing with you. And I mean, I've never, you know, even though I've started business before, nothing was ever proprietary to the point where I needed to file patents or protect it. So, I mean, that's something that I had to learn as well. I mean, I, I went through three patent attorneys in the beginning, just trying to find the right fit. And it's hard to find a patent. It's surprisingly hard. It's hard, especially <laughs> when you're in something as specialized as paints and coatings, right. um, where they don't already have conflicts of interest with those other big companies that they've represented in the past or currently. Um, you know, and the way that we developed this formula, I mean, obviously there's a lot of things that had to go in it. it we wanted it to be a latex product. So it's water-based eco-friendly meets the EPA standards in all 50 States, um, fire resistant, mold resistant, antimicrobial, like everything that you could ever hope to find in a paint. Plus it works. Plus it's easy to put on. Plus it looks great. And, you know, we, in our 25 formulations, we knew which ingredients were, performing the best, you know, on a, on, a, on a consistent basis. And then we took the three or four most common best performing ingredients and all put them into this formula. So I think it'd be very, very difficult for anyone to come up with anything even remotely as effective as this without infringing upon our patent. Well, I think um, that's one of the keys to innovation that whether it's a product or service that really sticks in the marketplace, that really actually has traction is being defendable. Like you've talked about, I want to, um, rewind a little bit to something that you said, which is it took, I think you said two years to get the formula, right? Is that right? Yeah, it was two years. Um, yeah, probably a, a year and nine months for the actual formulations and then another three or four months on the end for testing. But there was like lots of ongoing testing throughout the two years. I'm curious, just from a more personal perspective, what sustained you during that time? Because I think I'm, I'm going to venture to say in my limited conversation with you that you're probably as impatient as I am in general. <laughs> so like what that's a, it feels so long, right? Two years. So how did you kind of keep the motivation, keep the drive to keep at it when, you know, there was so much time between that moment that you picked up the phone to that first, you know, lab to the time where you had something you felt like you could go pilot, really pilot. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, I won't sugarcoat it. It was brutal. It was, I mean, I dealt with some pretty serious depression, but that was also, I had a blood clot in my leg and I almost died. And I mean, there was, yeah, there was some other crazy things that kind of happened in between. Um, you know, I, I honestly, I mean, I'm not afraid to admit it. I had to move back to my parents' house because I had to save money. I mean, I needed all of, all of my money and I took out some business loans. I wanted every penny of that business, of the business loans to go into the business I didn't want to have to pay for any personal expenses. So I was working at a bar five nights a week to generate, you know, cash flow to support myself personally 
while I worked on this, not knowing how long it would take, not even knowing if we would actually ever get a product to market. And that was, uh, it, it did. It required a lot of patience, a lot of faith, just a lot of conviction that if we got it, it was such an enormous opportunity, like a once in a lifetime chance for me to legitimately build a company that could be worth a billion dollars someday. And I didn't know if I would ever come up with an idea this good again. So I just knew that I would be willing to take any setbacks, make any sacrifices. I mean, living at my parents' house for two and a half years as a guy in his 30s is not easy. It feels I, good. I, it feels good. <laughs> it feels good now. You know, it didn't feel good when it was yeah, happening. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say there was many people in my life that believed in me. I mean, I would say even the closest people in my life thought I was insane for sticking with it this long and not going back to the investment industry where I could easily pull down a six-figure salary. Um, even my parents were like, can you just go back and get like a real job? And they would come home some days and be like, yeah, I was at the camera shop today, you know, that they're hiring. And I'm like, mom, <laughs> I'm not going to work at a camera shop. My dad be like, yeah, you could go to the supermarket. I'm like, I'm not working at a freaking supermarket. <laughs> like, I'm telling you guys, this is going to work. Like, I'm going to make this a big company. And they're like, well, we just hope like you're not throwing your life away. And I'm like, I hope so too. But I mean, here we are. And now it's, you know, I'm like, I am legitimately more excited about this than I've ever been excited about anything else in my life. Um, I mean, I work 80, 90, 100 hours a week, and I love it. Like, I wake up at five in the morning and I can't wait to start talking to people and check my emails. And it's just, it's fun. Like, once you're doing something you really love and you see the future and it's just, just endless opportunities, it really is. It just, it keeps you going. Well, um, I, I appreciate the honesty in the story because I, I actually think that sometimes the, sacrifices we have to make in the times when it's the most uncertain are the things we talk the least about. And I feel like that was a meme I just said, which I didn't mean to, but it's, you know, it really is, it, it really is the hardest part to, uh, for us to be honest about um, is how much uncertainty you have to deal with and how much faith you just have to have in yourself. And to your point, especially when I think the people around us mean really well, but you know, it's, it's risky, wh whatever it is. And it's scary for them too. It is. And the one, the other thing that actually did keep me motivated, and I'm, I'm being totally honest about this, was listening to podcasts. So I listened to probably 15 or 20 hours of podcasts every week from when I was at the gym, when I was walking to the gym, when I was, you know, working at the bar. Um, I would always have the little air, you know, the Apple AirPods in my ears, listening to podcasts all the time and just listening to other entrepreneurs talk about their struggles, you know, the setbacks and the, the negative stuff that they had to overcome to build their successful company. Um, so hands down, I mean, I love what you're doing. I mean, I ran a podcast for a couple of years too. And, you know, to hear other people's stories and adventures and, and just what they had to overcome made me, you know, kept me motivated. It made me realize like, okay, I'm not on an island by myself. Other people have been through this crap before. And if I can just, if I can just stick it out, you know, the, 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 what did Michael Jordan say today? The, uh, the, the roof is the ceiling or something funny. I mean, he, he screwed it up, but no, there is, uh, it, it's, it's a journey. Like the entrepreneurs now in my, in my network, um, like now they're all, uh, I don't know, congratulating me on yeah. what I've done, yeah. but it's like, where were you guys the last two yeah. years when I was like struggling and depressed? But you know, I, I'm not one of those guys that like reaches out and asks for help and support. Um, I'm just, I guess I'm so self-motivated. Yeah, I just I think it's a great 
it's a great thing for us to talk about. And I will tell you, I, I, I'm with you on the podcast. I listen to a ridiculous amount. I'm always looking for new ones. My team and I are always sharing ones that we listened to that we thought were really powerful. Um, and I think the best $10 purchase I ever got was a little speaker for my shower so that I can listen to them the minute I get up and get in the shower. <laughs> That's, That's how like addicted idea. to podcasts I am. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. Like I actually bring, I always bring my phone in the bathroom and I turn on a podcast yeah. and I put and I put it on speaker. But once you're in the shower, you can't hear it's very, it, you can't hear it yeah. that well. No, yeah. I just, I invested 10, I mean, it's 10 bucks. So if it breaks, you know, in a couple of months, I'll just buy a new one. No big deal. But I will tell you because, you know, shower time is the, I don't know, there's something powerful about just being in the shower <laughs> and water, right? <laughs> like you're alone when your thoughts, but you know, I get to start with my motivational podcast. <laughs> That's a good idea. I actually like that. I'm totally with you. So, before, so is, it, is it Bluetooth? Yes. Is it run? Okay, no, it's Bluetooth. Cool. Yeah. And there's a million of them on Amazon. It's they're easy to they're easy to find. Um, before I ask you the last question, where can people go to learn more about SoundGuard um, and connect with you? So if you just go to Google and type in SoundGuard, I mean you'll you'll find us. We're the first the first result, or you can go to our website, soundguard.io. Um, or Google soundproof paint and you'll find us. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. What's one piece of advice for launch treaters out there hoping to launch something? You know, it's funny when I wrote this question, I wrote revolutionary like you did, but I also want to add in defendable too, because I think you did that better than I've seen in, in a long time. Thank you. Um, oh God, I wouldn't even know where to begin on advice. There are so many things I could say. Um, I will say the first few companies that I started after I left the investment world, I did have co-founders. And I realized very quickly, I'm not the type of person that should have a co-founder. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> so don't feel like you always have to have a co-founder. Um, there's nothing wrong with doing it yourself and using freelancers, consultants, you know, finding experts that can fill in and play the role in certain positions when you need them. Um, you know, I, I am honestly, I am still a one person company. Now, granted, I have 70 sales reps out in the field. I have my manufacturing partners and I have a lot of other people that I work with, but I like, I'm honestly setting up payroll this week. Um, and now I am in the process of hiring two executive assistants and an internal marketing person. But, you know, for the first three years, I really ran everything myself. So, and a, and a co-founder, honestly, I think a co-founder would have caused more harm than good. Yeah. Um, I guess that's like, I see so many people looking for co-founders and I don't think you necessarily have to, I don't think, not every company needs more than one owner. Yeah, I uh, I have had a couple other businesses where I had co-founders and they always fell apart. And the common yeah. thread between that is actually me. So I don't do well with other... I do great with partnerships. I don't do well with that co-founder. I'm the not same my, way. Yeah, it's not my thing. Yep. So I love that you mentioned that. I'm sitting here smiling. So I'm like, oh my God, I remember those days. <laughs> um, here's the challenge I want to put out to all launch streeters though, because I'm going to start doing this. If you are like me and you travel and stay in a lot of hotels or you live in a condo with a million other people in the high rise with you and you are fed up with the noise, I want you to go down to the management, to the, to the operators, whatever it is. And I want you to tell them about SoundGuard. Because you could make your life a hell of a lot easier if they just knew about it. <laughs> That'd be awesome. And if you go to our website and fill out our referral form, we'll actually pay you $1,500 when we close a job from your referral. I mean, I've stayed in a lot of hotels, so I, I, I feel like this could be my next revenue stream. <laughs> well, okay. So looking at the referral. So it's a $1,000 payout for the first referral, $1,500 for the second, and then $2,000 for every I mean, I feel like... 2018 could be my windfall year just with this Hell alone. Yeah. 
<laughs> with all the oh, travel yeah, that I do. Buy yourself a nice new <laughs> car with those payouts. That's right. That's right. I'm going to take that vacation to Cuba I've always <laughs> dreamed of. Jonah, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. I just It's been really interesting to not just learn about SoundGuard, but to hear about how you approach the business in such a different way. Because that is, you know, in the thousands of entrepreneurs I talk to, I think that is a big takeaway for me in terms of how to really get to that successful place with your business. I appreciate it. I, you know, like I said, I did a podcast for two years and interviewed a couple hundred people. So it's still a little weird being on this side of the table, but I like it. <laughs> I like, I like the other side too, but I, I won't lie. Like this is a little bit of a selfish endeavor for me because, you know, every week I get to learn new things. So absolutely huge. I love that. I mean, I loved interviewing other founders and asking all the questions and getting the answers that I've always wondered about, you know, knowing that at some point I was going to build another business and maybe some of those interviews taught me something that I otherwise wouldn't know. Well, half my notes are, you know, for me to go back and do the intro and the other half are for me. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Congratulations. By listening to this podcast, you took another step towards becoming an everyday innovator. To leap forward, visit www.gotolaunchstreet.com and take the Innovation Quotient Edge Assessment to discover your unique everyday innovator style and access the Everyday Innovator Digital Magazine for the top tools, insights, and inspiration at your fingertips 24-7. Tomorrow, we'll be back with another Everyday Innovator conversation conversation soon. In the meantime, if you got a nugget of value out of this podcast, let Tamara know by leaving a five-star review and comment. Your review equals more guests, more listens, bigger impact. Until next time.